0: everyone, and welcome to Emerging Trends in Higher Ed. My name is Samantha Wilcox, and I am your moderator for this podcast series. Joining us today is Dr. Mary Streit, the professor in at the NCU School of Social and Behavioral Sciences, Department of Psychology. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mary. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Dr. Streit is here to share a bit more about the field of psychology and what a career in research may look like. So let's jump in. Mary, can you tell us a little about yourself and how you became interested in the field of psychology?
1: Sure. Um, Many, many moons ago, I think I started uh, college probably over 30 years ago, showing my age now. Uh, And I took a couple of psychology courses. I really wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. And I really took to it. I really enjoyed them. Um, I really found the material very engaging and I did really well in those courses. So I kind of gravitated to what I was really good at, and I used that as a, a kind of jumping-off point.
0: Awesome. Now, can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the research opportunities that you've had throughout your career?
1: Oh, yeah, many, many opportunities. And I think the interesting point that I wanted to make for, you know, our students and our alumni is it's it's not like a linear pathway, the careers in psychology and the, and the different um opportunities that you might encounter along the way. It's kind of like a zigzag of things that just kind of pop up here and there. And I think what I've learned is you want to try to jump on those opportunities and take advantage of them as they come. Uh, So when I was in grad school, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, work with one of my professors. So I did some work in time management uh, and we uh, developed a scale, a questionnaire Uh, to assess someone's behaviors and whether or not you're good at managing your time. And uh, it got a lot of attention. Um, I got to actually present at the APA. This was probably over 20 years ago. Um, And and it was a really great experience. So I got a sense of what it was like to do research from the beginning to the end. Uh, And I also learned a lot about time management and how to do it. Um, The data we found is that a lot of people are either really good at it or they really need some help and support. And the people who need some help and support need to kind of do a tune-up like you would with your car, like every year or so, just to make sure that they're kind of on track with what they need to do. And um, they're, they're looking at those different areas or those behaviors that they might need to uh, work on. So that was when I was in grad school and that was a really fantastic opportunity. And I would encourage our students you know, to take advantage of those opportunities, if they're able to, um, maybe collaborate with professor, uh, try to see if you can help them in some way with their research, you know, anything like that. I think it's a really good, uh, place to really learn a little bit more about research and what it's actually like, uh, instead of what you think it's like, because a lot of it is data collection. Um, you know, it's, it's not all fame and glory. Yeah. Uh, I would say. So that was in grad school, and then after I graduated, uh, I worked at a facility for the developmentally disabled, and I was involved with their computer computerization, uh, and then also doing some research there. Uh, this was primarily autistic individuals. and there was at the time, there was a really new technique called facilitated communication. And everybody was jumping up and down saying, this is a miracle, it's a breakthrough. Um, these individuals with autism can now communicate where, you know, some of them have never spoken before. Uh, and basically what it was is it was, they were working with a direct care worker and they would type with them, helping them with their hand, uh, their ideas and thoughts and messages. Mm -hmm. And they were saying things like, I love you, mom and dad, and all these other really amazing things that they could never, ever say before supposedly. So one of my tasks was to research this and to try to see is this true or is this not true? Is this really the, the client with autism or is this perhaps their care worker who is holding their hand and trying to kind of help them in this process? So what I did is I created a board uh, with uh, pictures and words uh, and it was shown to both the individual and the worker, and some of them were the same and some of them were different. And they couldn't see the other person's picture. So the autistic child or adult could not see what the caseworker was seeing, and the caseworker couldn't see what the autistic child or adult was seeing. And then we looked at what the actual data showed. And unfortunately, what we were showing is that what was being typed was more what the caseworker was seeing not the autistic child. So at the time I was kind of the bearer of bad news (laughs) and I wasn't very well liked when I had to deliver that report. Uh, But I think it was an important finding and it wasn't necessarily a bad result, but I think it was also showing how much the caseworkers and the direct care workers wanted to be able to communicate and to hear what their clients were having to say. And it was, they were just so frustrated that they couldn't communicate. or or speak or talk. Uh, So I think eventually it came out to be a good thing, but sometimes being a researcher can be challenging because you will often have to present results that people don't want to hear, or they might be a little bit, you know, not really open to or receptive to. So that was an interesting experience. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's
0: fascinating.
1: Yeah, and uh, I did that as part of my work there Uh, And then we also did something called auditory integration training, where we were looking at uh, individuals with autism who were being trained to hear things differently as a way to try to help them to communicate and to understand language, uh, both receptively and expressively. So that was another interesting piece of research that we did. Um, So those things just kind of came about uh, in my work there. It was more like program evaluation research, uh, and, and kind of little research projects that popped up here and there throughout the organization, uh, like when we have uh, employees who were getting hurt on the job, what was causing that, what were some of the you know, real mean reasons why that was happening, and then what we could do to try to prevent that. So that was another uh, interesting research project that I was involved in. So these are all things that just kind of popped up uh, in, in that role. Uh, and, and it was a really great experience and great opportunity. And then I moved on to doing uh, focus group research in marketing research and survey research uh, with advertising agencies in New York City, oh, wow. uh, comparing different uh, TV ads and products, things along those lines. And we would travel around the world, not the world. <laughs> I think I, I'm wishful thinking there. Yeah. We would travel around the country And we would do focus groups, and we would ask the participants what they thought about the different commercials, uh, the different products. And I don't know if you know what a focus group is, but it's it's basically a bunch of people in a room, like a conference room, sitting around a table, and there's a two-way mirror at one end of the room. And what a two-way mirror is, if you ever watch, you know, like uh, Law and Order or something like that on TV, it's where you can see the people in the room, but they can't see you. So they see a mirror, but they don't see the people in the room. So I was behind the mirror. I was the people, the person kind of taking notes and writing everything down and uh, trying to understand what they were saying and, and writing up the reports and the results to upper management about whether or not this is a good ad campaign or not and um, what we should do about, you know, the millions of dollars in advertising budget that we had and whether or not we should invest it here or, you know, this ad wasn't a good one. So uh, that was a really fun job. It was an interesting experience, but I got to work with a lot of the ad agencies and do the focus groups. And then we also did a lot of survey research. Uh, where they would have, at the time, they would be calling people on the phone. Do you ever have, like, someone call you on the phone and say, hey, do you have a few minutes? Oh, yes. And I should, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times what happens is, and I'm sure you've probably done this, you're like, no, I don't, and you just hang up. <laughs> um, so what we were finding, though, is our customers, when I worked for this company, they were older or more likely to be retired. Uh, they wanted to talk, so they had a lot of time on their hands, so – Uh, They did call centers, and they would call them on the phone, and we got a lot of data and a lot of information that way uh, as well. So uh, I would write up the survey questions, and I would analyze the data and write up the reports. And, and again, a great experience uh, all around. Uh, And this is something that I just kind of fell into. Uh, I saw an ad in the paper And a couple of my um, alumni at Hofstra at the time, that's where I went for my PhD, had told me, you know, I think somebody who graduated from Hofstra went there, and you should try to, you know, go over there and just see what it's about. So I went, and I did the interview, and I came home, and there was already a message on the answering machine saying, when can you start? (laughs) Oh, wow. How cool. So, yeah, so that was a really great experience. And then more recently, uh, once I started teaching – Uh, that's when I think I started to get into more of my own research. And my dissertation was uh, looking at the effects of group size on goal setting behavior. So do different groups set different goals based on the number of people in the group? Uh, And is there something called social loafing, where people kind of goof off and try to do less because there's more people? Or could it be that there's something called social facilitation going on where people are like, hey, we can do more than just, you know, 10 each. Let's try for 40. You know, let's let's shoot high. Uh, and the interesting result there from my research was the smaller groups were actually more likely to set higher goals. So having too many people involved uh, in, in that goal setting process uh, it is really not the best option. So it's kind of like the old school management by objectives where you would meet with your manager one-to-one. That's preferably, uh, given my research, a, a better way to go when you're setting goals. So uh, yeah, so that was my first shot, I guess you could say, at doing research. Uh, and then I've done, more recently, I've been doing things looking at uh, how to work remotely uh, over time. So a lot of people, I think, and this was before the pandemic that I did this. So a lot of people are, you know, trying to figure out how do I work remotely? How do I do this? And how do I keep doing this? Not just for a year or two, but for people who, in my study, I had people who've been doing it for over 10 years or more. So what were some of the patterns in behavior that I saw? Uh, That varied by the length of time that people have been doing this. Uh, And interestingly enough, people who have been working remotely longer had firmer boundaries. So they were more likely to take vacation, uh, to take sick days, to actually take a lunch hour, uh, and and to kind of have firmer boundaries around their work, to have a separate office space, where people who were kind of newer didn't necessarily do that. And I think over time, what I was seeing is they learned, you better do that because yeah. <laughs> you're going to get burnt. You're going to get burnt out otherwise. Absolutely. Uh, because it's it's in your home. So it's it's kind of this very like, oh, I can just roll out of bed and shoot <laughs> off an email. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and no, you, you really shouldn't do that. So uh, that was a great Great study and a great opportunity that I was able to do here, you know, as, as part of my work in NCU. Uh, and, and that was really a lot of fun, too. And it, it got a lot of positive feedback and a lot of interest, I think, probably because of the timing of when it came out with the pandemic. And I was really starting to write up all my results and data. And I think people were really looking at that more because remote learning and remote work. I, I think is really here to stay. It's not something that's, you know, just going to come and go. I think it's going to stick around for a while, uh, particularly in light of the pandemic. So how do we do it well uh, over time is something that I was looking at uh, in my research. So those are just a couple of things that I've been doing throughout. I have many, many more projects I could share, but uh, I don't want to, I don't want to throw it too much at you, but,
0: That's so interesting. You've had um, your hand in a lot of different areas and industries, um, which I find very fascinating. So I love that. Um, Thank you for sharing your expertise um, and kind of some of that history. Um, And now as we look towards um, our students, graduate students, NCU alumni, um, where do you see opportunities for them to pursue a career as a researcher?
1: Wow, there's so many opportunities for research. Uh, and and research careers in psychology. Um, I think the two important skills that a a student or graduate should really look to develop are research methods and statistics. So Warren Buffett once said, when everyone runs in one direction, make sure to run in the other. And I think that fits here because I remember in grad school, taking some of these courses like research methods and statistics and everybody was complaining and so upset and so stressed out and nobody went. And I was like, no, these are good because in my world, these are the courses where everything stays the same, where in psychology, everything is constantly changing and the research is constantly being updated. But to me, these were the skills where if you really worked at it and you, you really studied this material it's pretty much going to stay the same. So to me, these are the foundational key important skills uh, that you can take with you in any field. So I think if our students can really focus here, uh, they can go into jobs like being a research assistant, uh, a research analyst, uh, a research coordinator, market research analyst. Um, They can work in... Uh, government where there's always a need for researchers they could work for private uh, organizations that are looking to do research and maybe they're looking for new methods or techniques for treatment or training a lot of healthcare settings are looking for researchers to see you know is this uh, treatment effective is you know does it work better than this other one Uh, is the dosage correct things like that Um, and in industry too looking at uh, you know, like I was talking about, like different ad campaigns, uh, maybe different products. Are they performing well? Are they not? Making predictions about which one's going to be more likely to be effective and why. Uh, trying to understand people, you know, consumer behavior <laughs> uh, and why they do what they do. Um, we, we often are perplexed by what people do. We, we are not always rational. Human beings don't make a lot of sense. Uh, So trying to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and making predictions in the business world uh, is really important to do. And if you're good at research and statistics, they're going to they're just going to gobble you right up and you're never going to be without work. And That's been my experience. I've really been very, very busy. Um, You could also be doing like IRB work, uh, Institutional Research Review Board, making sure the research is ethical and they're not doing things that are placing their participants at risk in any way. So there's a lot of opportunities for students to work there, uh, ethical compliance, things like that. So it, it sounds like I think sometimes people hear research and they're kind of like, oh, boring, <laughs> but it really, it really isn't. Like it's, it's trying to make decisions based on data and evidence instead of that instinct or that gut, which sometimes is right. But not always. You know, I think we, we need to oftentimes dig deeper and look to the evidence and get actual data and try to find out what's really going on here uh, before you then decide how to act. Uh, and usually when you do act, then it's going to be much more beneficial for everyone.
0: Absolutely. Now, you've touched on some of the opportunities, but what advice would you give to a graduate student who's considering a career as a researcher?
1: Um, I would say, first off, try to a a couple of things. Definitely take some research methods courses and some statistics courses and try to get up to date on some of the latest tools, software, uh, and and really become very good at them and learn how to use them. Uh, Get certified or get certifications if you can. Um, Maybe consider joining some professional organizations Uh, in psychology and start networking. Uh, For example, I know the APA has a division for graduate students, specifically for grad students. So I would say to get involved with that group. It's very affordable and it's a great way to network with other grad students and also other professors uh, to maybe attend some of the conferences and to really kind of get a better sense of what's going on in in the field, and particularly in the field that they're interested in. Uh, That would be something else. And maybe to start reading um, magazines and newsletters, things like that, uh, that are relevant to research and statistics, and kind of trying to make sure they're aware of what's going on uh, in the field. And then lastly, but perhaps most importantly, uh, get to know your faculty. And look for opportunities within the university to gain some experience in research and not necessarily just your dissertation. Uh, so if there's opportunities to be a research assistant or to help out in some way, uh, even if you're just helping them compile a literature review or something to kind of get your feet wet in that research process, uh, that would be something that I would really encourage uh, our students to look into more.
0: That is some great advice. Uh, I know you've touched on this a bit as we've been talking today, but where do researchers work? Um, what types of job titles or duties, duties do they hold?
1: Oh, uh, Sure. They, they would work primarily in uh, universities, uh, government agencies, like maybe the National Institute of Health, uh, the National Institute of Drug and Alcohol Addiction, things like that or even private research organizations that are really primarily research companies. So those I think are ideal to work for because you get a variety of research opportunities and projects, but at the same token, they may be be a bit more difficult to get because they're looking for someone who has a bit more experience and flexibility. Uh, Titles, you would see things like uh market research analyst, uh, research assistant, research analyst, data analyst, data manager, uh, research coordinator, those types of uh, titles uh, I think would fit there. And they're really looking for somebody who has analytical thinking skills uh, and, and they're really able to kind of take take the reins there a bit and design You know, research questions, uh, surveys, do focus groups, write up the results and interpret them. And in a way that's really objective and clear and uh, not putting any of their own intuition or insights. And it sounds simple, but it's really a lot harder than you might think. So, you know, trying to ask a question, even on a survey uh, questionnaire, you know, asking a question in a way that's not leading. And that's really more open-ended uh, is a skill. And it, it sounds really easy, but it's it's not, especially when it's a topic that if you're working internally within an organization, like I was in that first example that I gave you with the facilitated communication, everybody believed in that so much and they really wanted this to be proven to be true. So I had to be very careful, you know, when I was writing up the results and and just kind of providing the final report, that I wasn't putting my two cents there and my beliefs into it in any way. So trying to maintain that objectivity, I think, is is something employers are going to really look for.
0: Absolutely. Uh, this was so helpful. <laughs> this was a lot of information. Um, do you have any other uh, thoughts or advice um, or anything else you'd like to share with our students or prospective students?
1: Uh, I, I guess the
0: only other thing I would say
1: was just keep asking questions, uh, try to talk to as many people as you can in the field um, and get to know them. Even s- some of my students have a lot of interest, like they have identified a, a key researcher and they're like, wow, if I could talk to them. So, so my advice is email them or, or, you know, give it a shot. You never know. I've had some students who really had some success uh, a lot of researchers are are very passionate about what they're researching. So they're very happy to talk about their research, as yeah. you can see. In my case, I went <laughs> on and on. Um, they have no problem, you know, doing that because it's something they're really interested in and fascinated by. And they they have this hunger to learn more. And they want to share that. And they want to be a part of that community of researchers and, and I think that would be a great way for our students to start to plug into that community more. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today, sharing your expertise, advice, um, and just some of the opportunities that are out there. I think this is um, such an interesting pathway for students to go on uh, if they're interested in just hearing some of your opportunities it was really helpful. So thank you so much to, uh, for taking some time with us today. A great. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, in the coming weeks, we'll be exploring additional topics at the NCU community. So be sure to check back for new episodes. Until next time, goodbye.